Welcome to PMA Takes on Tech, the podcast that explores the problems, solutions, people, and ideas that are shaping the future of the produce industry. I'm your host, Bonnie Estes, Vice President of Technology for the Produce Marketing Association, and I've spent years in the ag tech sector. So I can attest, it's hard to navigate this ever-changing world in developing and adopting new solutions to industry problems. Thanks for joining us and for allowing us to serve as your guide to the new world of produce and technology. My goal of the podcast is to outline a problem in the produce industry and then discuss several possible solutions that can be deployed today. Our episode today is powered by Payne Schwartz Partners. A global leader in sustainable food chain investing, Payne Schwartz Partners is a private equity firm with a demonstrated 20-plus year track record of investments across the food and agribusiness value chain. The firm leverages a thesis-driven approach and operational expertise to enhance value across its portfolio. Please visit www.payneschwartz.com to find out more about the firm and its activities. Our conversation today is with Daniel Malachuk, CEO of Calera. Calera is an Orlando-based vertical farming company. It has high-yield, automated, data-driven hydroponic production facilities designed for rapid rollout. Indeed, Calera is one of the fastest-growing and largest vertical farming companies, with two operating facilities in Orlando, one in St. Paul, Minnesota, and one in Atlanta. It plans to open five additional large-scale facilities across the U.S. by early 2022, including locations in Houston, Denver, Hawaii, Columbus, and Seattle. To me, Calera seemed to have exploded onto the vertical farming scene this past year, but as Daniel explains, the company has been diligently at work for 10 years. In February, Calera also acquired Vindara, a company that develops seeds specifically designed for use in vertical indoor farm environments. Jade Stinson, co-founder and CEO of Vindara, also joins the conversation to discuss the importance of breeding for indoor ag. Let's jump into the conversation with Daniel about his background in the food industry and what drew him to Calera. Yeah, I've spent my entire career in food for nearly two decades now. I have been in various degrees of the food industry uh, across multiple different verticals, whether it be retail, food service, manufacturing, and have uh, really enjoyed always working on something that is powerful, which to me is feeding people. And so um, I had worked in, again, a lot of different opportunities there before I had the chance to come to uh, Calera here and have been with Calera as their CEO for about two years now. And really before that, about five years ago, three years ago, didn't know what vertical farming was, wasn't very familiar with it, to be totally candid and got intrigued when the opportunity came to me and uh, have have not slowed down since. Very excited and passionate about waking up every morning, knowing that I get a chance to feed people locally, safely, sustainably. 
Great. Um, I have to admit before you purchased uh, Vindara, who I was tracking because I like breeding companies, um, and then you also became a member of PMA. So thank you for that. Um, I had not heard of the company. I think that's mostly because my personal feed and the information that I get is a bias towards VC-backed companies and also West Coast companies, which is a lesson to me to pay more attention. Um, so I was so excited when I started reading about the history of the company and how fast you've grown. You're the fastest growing vertical farm company and will soon have farms coast to coast. So please tell us about how the company started and the number of farms you have now. Yeah, so Calera has been around for a little over 11 years now and it really started with the science. And as we all know, the science and technology continues to accelerate, but our two co-founders formed the company originally as part of a project to have a fully self-sustainable city here in Florida. And although that project fell through many years ago, the, the two founders continued the dream of, of working on indoor vertical farming. And so that process continued as trial and error and lots of uh, great science that has gone into the company uh, continued to be the focus. And it was over really the last two years that we've kind of come out from underneath the radar out of stealth mode. And, and that somewhat coincided with when, when I joined the company. And very aggressively, we've worked for years to get to the point where we are today, which is to really have a, a model that's able to be scaled very successfully um, and fairly quickly and inexpensively, again, having industry-leading unit economics to be able to, to take our facilities coast to coast, as you've mentioned, and even beyond. And that's part of what's been really exciting about the last two years is how quickly we've accelerated and executed. Of course, when uh, I got here, we had already our... Uh, Marriott High Cube, which is located on the largest Marriott property of the world's property here in Orlando, Florida. And it was really a proof of concept for Calera to go out of the lab, per se, or the research and development segment and right into practice. And it really redefined what pick the plate freshness means for the future there. And so that was an exciting undertaking for the company, but it also gave us the confidence that we would be able to then scale more quickly and much more of a larger scale. So we opened our Orlando facility which is here in Orlando, Florida. And we opened that in March of last year. And then beyond, we have now opened our Atlanta facility, which is up and running. And we are actually now grand opening our Houston facility. This week and the weeks ahead, we've got our first seating going into that. So we're really excited that the momentum continues as we continue our expansion. And so when you open these new, build and open these new farms, are they all exactly the same or are you innovating as you go along? How's, how does that look? Well, we continually learn. That's a really great question. So no two farms are exactly the same. Every time we go, we tweak, we get better and we, we continue to improve as well as that not every design is 100% identical. So we like to think we improve each time we go and we'll continue to develop. But the basis and the baseline is always the same, which is, Great science that we've worked on for over a decade, a lot of it proprietary, and the ability to rapidly roll out very cost-effectively and hyper-focused on being farmers first and leveraging the technology when and where and how we can as we come along. But that never changes. We never lose sight of that fact that at the end of the day, what we have to do is provide an incredible quality product, but yet at a very affordable price because those two things are table stakes for us. We want to have a great product that's affordable. And so, you know, where we take our design, it's generally the same. Every facility that we go into, it may have some slight adaptations and continual improvements as we go along. So for the most part, they're the same, but there are tweaks for every facility that we, uh, as we advance and as we open new facilities. 
And what are your growth plans going forward? It sounds like you're just moving amazingly fast. Are you going to keep that growth rate up or um, what's the plan there? Yeah, Calera is excited that, uh, as you, you've heard me mention already, not only did we open Orlando, but we've got Atlanta that just opened and we've got Houston, which is opening as we speak. And then beyond that, we've got facilities that were opening in Denver, Colorado, outside of Seattle, Washington, St. Paul, Minnesota area, as well as Columbus, Ohio and Honolulu, Hawaii. So those are all in the works. They're being opened as we speak and construction is underway. But beyond that, we're very excited that there's much more in the pipeline, not only domestically, but internationally for Clara here as well. Wow. So who do you sell to um, when you're when you go into an area, say you went into Houston? Do you look for local retailers that you sell to there or do you sell? Do you have like nationwide chains that you sell to and then sell to the local area to those chains? How are you thinking about that and how does that work? That's a, a, a question that we do spend a lot of time thinking about. And more importantly, is is really everybody is our customer, but it always starts with quote unquote, the big guys and gals out there that can really help move some volume with you. But what's so great about Calera's model is we're balanced well between food service and retail, because we Ah. understand that 50% of any given market is really a food service. And so we see that here in central Florida, for example, where we have a really great balance between our customer of, uh, and the retail segment of Publix. But then of course you go beyond Publix into the the uh, restaurant or a hospitality industry. And we have such amazing customers such as Universal Studios, where we do um, the theme parks here for Universal Studios, and then all the great restaurants. We work with Levy Entertainment Group and the Orlando Magic here. Uh, if you were to go to the Super Bowl that uh, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers played in back in February at the, the stadium here in Tampa Bay, we supplied the product for there. And so we have a really great mix and a good balance, like I said. And so as we expand into new markets, for example, as we move into Houston, Texas, we've got great retail customers lined up there as well. For example, Kroger, uh, who is going to be uh, working with us on our product. And so that is a tremendous new customer for us. We're excited. But again, keeping that balance of always being focused on everybody needs our product. And it's not just retailers. It's specifically, you think about great restaurants and hospitality people, and they want fresh, clean, local, safe, sustainable products as well. And so it's a, it's a really great balance for us as we expand across the nation and beyond to always keep that in mind that we're focused on both segments. I didn't know that. I, I, I don't know that any other indoor farming facility or company is, uh, they may be doing that, but I haven't heard them really push that except maybe some of the really small ones that are very local. But that's a, that's a really great business model because um, that is what people want. And, and that's great that you're really focusing on that. I bet that's been challenging this year as you're trying to focus and get out into food service with all the challenges in food service this year. It has, but I tell you what, it's coming roaring back, which is really exciting. And, you know, we've got some really great restaurant customers and even some larger chains that we're working with and and have even secured partnerships with. And I'll give you a quick example of, say, for example, Tapas Stock Group. Uh, they're a phenomenal restaurant um, uh, um, chain that's got multiple locations here, not only in Orlando, but in Atlanta. For example, one of the finest restaurants in all of Atlanta is uh called Atlas and the Garden Room. And it is just an, uh, if you haven't been there in Atlanta, it's it's probably one of the finest restaurants I've ever been to, the service, the food and everything, but they feature our product. And, you know, when, when you come there, it's the finest ingredients. And why would you stop and center of a plate, keep going to produce? And, and Claire has been no exception. And so it's uh, it's been really neat 
to see how chefs really have gravitated towards local and fresh and all of those attributes that our product have uh, that I think for them are, are quite a bit revolutionary. And a lot of times we're selling our product to them uh, alive, RuPaul on product. So when they get it, it's a fresh experience that sometimes they'll even serve. For example, Alphand Inn here is a, a very nice hotel in Orlando, which they serve the product with RuPaul on. They come to the table and we've even heard that they've presented the product to the customer and they twist the root ball off and make an incredible Caesar salad, for example, right there in front of the customer saying that this product was alive until now. And <laughs> they serve it to the customer right then. And the customer just is overwhelmed by the, the crisp nature of the product and how fresh it is. And so, um, you know, equally important to retail is that food service experience as well. That's a great story. Yeah, I think with a lot of these types of of products, when you're selling through food service, you really have an opportunity, especially in these more high-end restaurants, to showcase the product and to tell a story about the product and to give this amazing narrative and background that you don't have on a label because people, you know, in retail, people just don't have time. So it is a great opportunity to be able to showcase the product. So what do you grow? What are what are your different products? You said you do some root on, you must do some, you know, not root on. So what are the different products, yeah, so different types of things? We're very focused on greens right now. And that's microgreens where we have a variety of up to 50 different microgreens that we can do. And this is everything from cilantro to uh, pea shoots to broccoli to spicy micro mix, et cetera. Um, and we even do, uh, something that has a, a flavor of, um, kind of almost like a, a sweet popcorn. And, and we do that for one of our, our really good customers, uh, as well. And so we have a really great portfolio of microgreens, but then we of course do a lot of leafy greens and we do everything from romaine to, uh, Calera crunch, which is a incredible item that sounds like a cracker or a chip when you eat it, it's so crunchy all the way through to oak leaves and frisee. Etc. And so we continue to expand our portfolio of the items that we can do and the varieties and how we serve them with and for our customers. And so that is part of the innovation that our team never stops on our product portfolio mix. But we are, again, hyper-focused on greens at this point. Um, you know, one of the things that's important to me is, number one, to, to do things and to do them very well and to stay focused on what you can do very well in such a large market we feel that it's something that we want to continue to fine tune and perfect and to be the best at not only here regionally, but globally. And so that is, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about our acquisition and how that is plays into that part of uh, commitment for excellence. But I'm excited about what the future holds as well as we continue to expand our product offering to our customers. So we'll be talking about breeding, as you said, in a minute, but what is the technology behind Clara that makes the company successful? Did you develop it yourselves or with partners? And how did that come about that you're able to grow this great product and, and do it so quickly? Well, to be honest, nothing was quick about it. We failed and failed and <laughs> it failed. It just looks like that through. from the outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And keep in mind, the company has been really focused since 2010. And so it's nearly... Over a decade now, a labor of love by our team and our scientists. And, you know, one of the things that we think we do extraordinarily well is to continually focus on keeping a great quality product affordable. And that's one of our mission statements. It's one of the key words in our mission statement, rather, is that, that affordable, not only fresh and clean and sustainable, but to have the ability to go to the market and to offer a product that is in line with, but yet significantly better 
for you healthier, cleaner, and sustainable than traditional product. And so we don't want to do it and just have it be elitist or something that only a certain segment of the population has to make a very strong conscious decision to be able to afford. You know, not everybody can afford five, six, seven, eight dollars for four or five ounces of greens. And so instead, we've made our product and we've had this focus since day one to be lean, mean, and really strategic about how we get high yields. And again, we are very confident that we have industry leading yields. And with this and through the ability to leverage our technology, as well as the design process that we've utilized to be able to offer product out there at very competitive pricing, but yet superior in many ways to traditionally farm product. And so that's something that we're very, very excited about, but also uh, very proud of the fact that we, again, continually fine tune that, but yet we feel that we've essentially perfected Mother Nature indoors through that combination of science and technology with farming to offer a very great product from a quality standpoint, yet at an affordable price. Let's switch a little bit to talk about the company. And um, as I was starting to read about you and learn about you, and then I started reading about some of your newest board members. So to me, as someone who hadn't been following the company and and maybe some of the people listening to this, it just just felt like you kind of exploded onto the scene with these, um, these impressive board members. So tell us a little bit about that process and who you've added. Well, like all things that Calera does, we're very deliberate in trying to build the most incredible company that we can, both domestically and globally. And and that doesn't stop with board members, right? It's not only about the product, but it's about management and building a world-class management team, which we feel we've done a really great job of. But it continues with the board of directors. And, you know, we're we're very pleased to have assembled a fine board that is going to help us continue to scale and think about our business, not only domestically, but abroad and internationally. And some of the folks that we've been able to assemble on this board, I mean, you look at Sonny Purdue, he was this time last year, the head of all of food for the United States of America, one of the largest food, if not the largest food producing uh, country in the entire world. And what was so great about adding Sonny to our board is not only, you know, does he come from a farming family and understands that background, but he's been governor of the great state of Georgia. He's served our country at the very highest level as the head of uh, USDA and a secretary of agriculture and his perspective is unparalleled and to add him to the board. And believe me, he's not just a figurehead on the board or a, a name only he's here and he's active. In fact, I was um, just chatted with him a little bit earlier, right before this call. And so he's very active in the business and, and a very, very valuable uh, asset to not only the management team, but to our shareholders and to the company as well. But then beyond that, you've got, you know, great names such as Kim Loptrup, who has uh, been, uh, CEO of Red Lobster and help them globally and be very successful. And and he's very active and, and moving to the chairman of our board position here uh, in the very near future. And then we've got uh, several other big names that we continue to add. Maria Sastre, who has been um, just in across multiple boards and throughout multiple different industries, including travel and the cruise lines and was on the board of Publix and has been on, uh, is on General Mills's board. And um, you know, go keep looking forward. You're going to hear more great things continue to come on the Claire board. And we've got several other members and probably for the time of the, the podcast, you won't go through them all, but it's all very deliberate again, to assemble a, a world-class team, both at the board level and throughout the company. And, you know, Calera is very, very diligent on, you know, being very quiet. And then when it came time to really expand and, and to kind of have our coming out party, that's kind of what I think you've seen over the last 18 months even or so as we've prepped for this moment and now we're ready to run and run hard, run fast. And I think we've probably caught a lot of people in the industry by surprise 
but here we are and we're ready to keep on executing and moving forward. Yeah, no, yeah, no question. Here you are. <laughs> um, so you're publicly listed on the Oslo Exchange, but I have heard rumblings of the potential of you going public in the U.S. Um, tell us why and how it would be an advantage to do this, and as much as you legally can about your plans in this area. Yeah, sure. Calera is a U.S.-based company. We've got a U.S.-based management team, U.S.-based operations, and our original. Um, uh, investors came, you know, this is years ago, back in 2013, even when the company was really just getting started. And, you know, almost eight years ago or so, the U.S. was probably not as hyper-focused on sustainability uh, in this arena specifically as perhaps Europe was. So our original shareholders came from uh, at least the bulk of them from the Nordics and from Europe. But over time, obviously, now we are so blessed to have uh, over a thousand shareholders all around the world on all continents, practically, uh, and a lion's share of them still in Europe, but certainly here in North America and the U.S. and, and Asia and Australia and beyond. And so uh, we are excited to to bring the company home um, and get on a U.S. main listing and, and are targeting and we're working heavily with that. You've seen some press probably about that process and continuing to go well as we move forward here. Uh, but we've also been very deliberate, just like you saw uh, with the board members that we select. Uh, we're very focused on having the best process uh, with the least amount of dilution for our shareholders to absolutely continue to accelerate Calera's growth, uh, but to bring us back into the U.S. and to have access to the U.S. capital markets, which have all kinds of advantages for our existing shareholders and for beyond for future shareholders as well. Mm-hmm. Well, let's pivot and talk about breeding, one of my favorite subjects. So in February uh, of this year, Calera acquired Vindara, a company developing seeds specifically for the indoor vertical farm environment. So um, first, let me welcome Jade. Jade Stinson is the president and co-founder co of Vindara. So uh, welcome, Jade. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Great to be here. So please tell us a little bit about your background and um, how you came to start the company. So up until the past few years, I've spent my time between university and corporate America. At school, my PhD focus was to work on a project to protect the British potato from quarantine diseases, which really kicked my interest in agriculture. Um, from there, I joined BSF um, within the Performance Chemicals Division here in the United States and then relocated to the Research Triangle area to head up global operations for the professional specialty solutions business within the Agricultural Products Division. After 10 years in the company, I decided to join a venture development accelerator as their chief science officer, um, also known as the VP of Will It Work?, so from there, I, <laughs> I, I sourced and scouted um, a number of deal flow. I mean, we looked at probably 400 different you know, companies and technologies to really try and find transformational um, technologies that would ultimately benefit the food system. And it was within the accelerator that we founded Bindara. Ah, okay. Yeah. Another way I look at that is how many miracles would it take to make this work? <laughs> but I always, I always stop it. You know, if it takes three, it's probably not going to happen. Um, that that's really interesting. So when did you realize there was going to be a need to breed for indoor crops in mine? And what did you do first when you started thinking about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, after doing diligence in the sector, we, we learned quickly and we knew straight away that the off-the-shelf varieties have been bred for very different environments. You know, these outdoor or greenhouse environments. 
and we think about the phenotypes or the characteristics of the crops, this is a direct result of the genotype and environment interaction. So these highly controlled environments are actually great for predicting the phenotypes of crops. So um, now we can actually focus on output traits and not the input traits relating to um, you know, developing varieties around disease resistance and durability. So, you know, the first thing we did was, you know, we went to the market and, you know, we asked, you know, different players and we needed targets. So we had to develop varieties that would benefit the growers directly as a drop in solution. Um, you know, we didn't make a decision on the variety or the type or the traits. Uh, we listened to the market and that's what we ran after. And which crops did you start with then? So our first crop program is the obvious one, which is lettuce. Um, but if you think about lettuce, I mean, it's, it can be, it's very segmented. You know, you've got full head, teen leaf, baby leaf, cut leaf in terms of the structure. And then you've got the different species. So you've got romaine, butterhead, crisp head, oak leaf, et cetera. Um, so that's where we started. Um, we ran hard after romaine, um, a romaine variety. And then we introduced um, a basil program followed by a spinach program. And right now we have nine active crop programs. And what technology do you use that makes this go faster within the company? What makes your ability to, um, to breed faster, to get different varieties out quicker? Yeah, so we're accelerating the traditional breeding methods. You know, our speed is what differentiates us. So I'll keep the specifics a little bit confidential. But, you know, what I can say is that we leverage genetic diversity and we're only able to move as fast as we can due to advances in various different types of technology. You know, this predominantly is around genomics, you know, deep machine learning, you know, having the computing power and analytics. And so we have heavily leveraged, you know, these to get our products to market and precedented speed. You know, we'll have commercially available seed at large volumes in September. So we've kind of proved out that we can get there um, in that time. And, you know, our, you know, our ultimate goal is to really democratize the breeding selection process, even down to the consumer level. Oh, wow. So do you plan on using some of the new molecular breeding technologies like gene editing um, as consumers get more comfortable with the technology? Uh, so what I will say here is, you know, the traits for anything, you know, is multigenic. So you need to understand these for computational breeding, which is a part of the data that we gather in our development process. So the same targets can actually be used for gene editing. So while it's not core to Vindara, we do partner with a university on a CRISPR project on one of our proprietary varietals. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see this move forward as a, as a good tool when, as you know, the industry gets comfortable with it. Yeah, absolutely. So how, um, opening back up to the conversation here with Daniel, how did Clara and Vindara meet? Did Clara realize the power of genetics? I mean, other companies aren't doing this. So how did this come about? Uh, I'd like to say it was something as amazing as that, but it actually goes back to my undergraduate studies. I went to North Carolina State University and um, had gotten a call to donate money to the school, uh, which I've done in the past. And anyways, they said, hey, have you heard of this company, Vindara? They're a startup coming out of NC State and they're working in this arena and maybe you should connect with them and have a call. So it actually um, was a result of uh, Dr. Stinson was coming out of uh, an NC State incubator. And so we got connected that way um, over a year ago now, I think. So it gave us the opportunity to connect with Jade on an early um, 
in an early stage and, and our team um, started very quickly working with her and testing the seeds uh, that she had generated and, and going through that. And so the conversa- conversations continued uh, over the course of several months and our teams got together and we were seeing great results from uh, the seeds that Bandara had developed. And so it just became more and more uh, important for us to secure up the supply chain of, of what we think is one of the most critical steps to having incredible product, which is um, the seed, obviously. And so if you could find a way to increase yield and shorten grow time by having seeds that are specifically tailored for indoor farming, uh, and you could secure that, then we move very quickly once we realize the power of how incredible what Vendara had to offer was. Yeah, that's great. It, it's, I think a lot of people don't realize the power of genetics, uh, especially in an environment like yours where you can control so many other things. And so what's left to control is, is the genetics to really work the best that it can in that environment. So why did you decide to acquire the company instead of partner? Well, knowing how quickly Clara is growing and going to continue to grow for the future, seeds, number one, they're, they're a significant expense as part of your cost of goods sold. But number two, to have that ability to, to guarantee that supply chain, to, to continue to develop. And, and Calera is always committed to being the leader uh, in this space. And that's, that's no exception when it comes to having the only company in the world that does what Vendara does. And, and I think it became clear that... Um, this could be a, a very strong play for Calera to continue to focus on growing great plants and, and continuing to um, have the ability to uh, have that affordable function of our plants remain present for us as we go forward. And for you, Jade, why did you decide to, to be acquired instead of, of partnering? Um, you know, I think we have a shared vision on, you know, we want everyone to have access to affordable food. And, um, you know, we really love that about Calera. We saw their, you know, their great growth strategy. And, um, yeah, we're really pleased to partner with them. Mm. So um, what trait, you talked a little bit, Jade, about what traits you were focusing on, but can you talk a little bit more about um, how soon the consumer will notice a difference with the new improved traits and, and what traits you're looking at for the future? Yeah, I think initially it's agronomic, right? It's getting to, you know, improving these unit economics, which everyone always points to in this sector. So how can we make, you know, great seeds and actually great economics for the growers? Um, You know, we've focused a little bit on, um, you know, texture and colour. But I think the next iteration, you know, now we've kind of got our tuned in, you know, pedigrees, I'll say, um, is really around dialing in the nutrient and the flavour profiles, which at that point, um, you know, you'll see a direct impact to the consumer. It is interesting to hear the focus Calera and Vendara have on breeding for indoor environments. Outdoor plants are bred for qualities necessary for outdoor environments, such as drought, flood, and insect resistance, traits not needed in indoor growing. Breeders for indoor ag are focusing on traits such as rapid growth, performance in low light environments, and manipulation of plant stature. In addition, novel crops can be bred for flavor and nutrient density. Germplasm developments have the potential to expose consumers to a variety of different products with additional desirable traits. Calera's fast-paced growth and dual focus on food service and retail will get these products in front of consumers quickly. That's it for this episode of PMA Takes on Tech. Thanks for allowing us to serve as your guide to the new world of produce and technology. 
Be sure to check out all our episodes at pma.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and I would love to get any comments or suggestions of what you might want me to take on. For now, stay safe, eat your fruits and vegetables, and we will see you next time. Thank you.